This Zero Now program is brought to you with the support of our founding partners. I'm just one person. Determined. To bring us back to zero. I'm just one person. Determined. To bring us back to zero. I'm just one person. Determined. To bring us back to zero. My name is Jillian. I am a student correspondent for Zero Now. I am here with Bob Jensen. Mr. Jensen has 38 years of experience with the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. He has worked as the Principal Deputy Assistant Secretary. He's worked with FEMA and similar organizations like that. And most recently, he's founded Strat3, a crisis management company. As a college student living in the time of a pandemic and uncertainty, I think it is so important to kind of adapt and teach and bring this to our everyday lives, especially in my generation and the future generations, um, especially what you've created and founded in Strat3. Um, so I think it's really important to talk about what inspired you to start Strat3 and why did you get involved in crisis management? Well, let me start with the, the, the second question first. I got involved uh, with crisis management uh, um, well, essentially when I was with the Department of Defense uh, and I was sent over uh, to the war zones in Iraq and Afghanistan. I did four deployments to war zones, and that's pretty much a crisis. And and a lot of what I did was uh, the communication part, telling the American public, uh, also talking to the Iraqi public and and uh, the global public about what we were doing and why we were doing it. What why was it necessary for us uh, to be involved in this war? Uh, and uh, in a, in addition to that, uh, when I when I got out of uh, uh, Afghanistan, uh, I was uh, recruited into FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, uh, and it was kind of a nice change because I had been overseas quite a bit, and uh, it was time to be back in the states. But but uh, disaster zones uh, can be just as crazy and hectic and even dangerous as a war zone sometimes, depending on what the situation is, and communication is is super important uh, in a disaster zone. Getting information out before, during, and after a disaster happens uh, can mean the difference between people living or dying. It uh, can mean the difference between people understanding where to go to get assistance, to find shelter, to get food. Uh, and so it's a, a really critical part of disaster management. Uh, uh, when I uh, left government after 32 years, uh, I wasn't ready to, to you know, stop doing work. And so I decided, uh, what is it I wanted to do? Uh, and I recognized that globally, uh, due to a lot of different things, uh, growing uh, you know, populations, uh, climate change, many other uh, things that are driving uh, things happening in the world, uh, we're seeing an increase in the number of extreme weather events and disasters around the world. So I thought, well, you know, I've got experience in this, and uh, I decided to start a consulting firm uh, working with uh, different groups like the World Bank and with countries directly and large international organizations uh, to work with them on their crisis management and crisis communication programs. So with that being said, what would you personally change within our school communities to put these plans into place and make our communities more safer? Yes, yeah, so student safety, that's a critical priority for our society today. And there's so many issues that students, parents, schools, law enforcement and communities are facing uh, active shooter, uh, increase in drug overdoses, sexual harassment, and of course today's pandemic challenges 
that everyone is dealing with right now. So, so keeping students safe requires a coalition of organizations from both the public and private sector, as well as students and their families. So the students uh, uh, are an important part. I just want to emphasize that. But, but the, the point is the schools themselves can't do it by themselves. They're, they're, there's, it's, there's no way. They don't have the expertise or the technology or even the funding to do it. So it has to be this kind of coalition because the problems that we're dealing with uh, aren't necessarily starting in the schools. So, for example, drug overdoses, uh, that's not because of the schools. That's happening in society. Uh, sexual harassment or bullying, those types of things, that's a societal issue, right? It, you know, it's happening you know, in the schools, but it's also happening outside of the schools. So, so these issues kind of overlap. Uh, so you really need to have a, a kind of a um, coalition of all these different groups that are looking at how do we address these issues in the school and outside of the school uh, and uh, with the people who actually make a difference. You know, parents make a difference. Uh, the students have to take some responsibility on their own. Uh, and, and today's young people are are really involved. I think it's really great how young people today are looking for answers and looking for information. And then uh, the communication of, of what's going on, that's really, really critical. Uh, although communication is, ju again, just one part of a larger strategy, uh, one of the biggest challenges today is making sure that you get the right information across. Uh, we've seen uh, that communication has changed over the past uh, two decades. The way we communicate and where and how we get information has changed radically. First there was the internet and then social media. This is revolutionized communication. Uh, traditional media is losing audience share. Most young people don't watch the evening news or read a newspaper. They're getting their information on their smartphones. And so um, any group, whether it's a school or it's law enforcement or it's uh, the community or it's parents, uh, they have to look at the, the technology that's available and how do we use the technology, excuse me, the technology uh, to get the information across in the right kind of uh, words and way in which the people who need it are going to get it. So, and I want to uh, kind of talk a little bit more about technology because technology is really a big part of the Zero Now effort. Uh, but technology is a double-edged sword. It can be used for both good and bad. An example of how it can be used for bad is, you know, the massive increase in disinformation being disseminated across social media. Uh, and that's one way it's used uh, in a bad way. There's a lot of great good ways, too. For example, today, uh, the public actually has more access to information than it ever had in the history of humankind, right? And so it's a lot of stuff out there that can be used for good. And technology right now, whether you're using a, a public alert system or you're looking at uh, technology that can detect if someone is bringing a gun into school, this is this is all great ways that technology can help. And so I want to talk about you know a, an effective crisis communication program that's part of the bigger strategy, and that requires not just the right plan and the right messages, as I said before, but also requires a robust and adaptable system to develop uh, to deliver the messages to the right people at the right time and in the right way to reach them, right? So, so it has to not just say, oh, we're going to put a press release out and then hope people watch the news, right? That's not how, how it should work. It's got to use the technology that people uh, use the most to get information. Absolutely. So how soon after a threat is detected should communication with the public begin in your experience? 
Well, as soon as you can. So, for example, um, if if uh, if there's a threat that you know, oh, you know, we have information that someone is bringing a, a bomb, you know, to an area, or maybe they're bringing guns, and there might be uh, an active shooter situation. For example, um, as soon as you know that, and and you can definitively say, yeah, that's that's a pretty credible threat. Uh, then the information go out as as quickly as possible to give people as much time as they can uh, to be able to react uh, to either shelter in place or to to get away from the area if if they safely can. Uh, you know, you've you've probably been through active shooter training where you barricade yourself in the room if the shooter's already in the building. Uh, the more time you give people, the better their chances of avoiding uh, being caught in the incident. This is this is no different for for like a, a natural hazard. So. Uh, you probably have seen uh, uh, NOAA and FEMA uh, days before a hurricane hits. They start saying, hey, this hurricane is coming. It's seven days out. We think it's going to hit this area. So you should start getting ready. You should uh, be prepared to evacuate. You should board up your house and protect it. Uh, and so th the faster we can do that uh, and the more accurate we can be with information, uh, the better it's going to be where we can... Uh, prevent uh, uh, injuries and deaths and, and uh, mitigate some of the effects of that uh, natural hazard. Uh, notice I don't call it a natural disaster uh, because natural hazards are, I mean, they're going to happen whether humans are there or not. It's a disaster when it impacts humans. So. so do you think that students, faculty, parents of those students should receive different messaging when a hazard occurs or when it's, um, that it's happening? Well, it depends on what the what the issue is. So, for example, um, uh, if there's an active shooter, right, uh, there should be messaging that's directed to people that's right in the location where that active shooter is or might soon be, right? Uh, uh, and, of course, um, uh, that's going to be a little bit different than what you're sending to parents, right? Uh, I think that the messaging that's going to go to parents should be very quick, uh, it, it, and it should basically say uh, there is an active shooter incident going on at this school or this building or this location. Uh, we've already given information to the students to, to uh, evacuate or whatever, a shelter in place. Uh, for parents, um, we ask that you not come rushing to the school, but we're going to have a reunification uh, center and, and tell them where to go. Uh, because, you know, if they all just rush back to the school, they might get involved in the active shooter incident themselves and, and be put themselves at harm. So um, it really depends on the situation. Absolutely. Um, so how can students like me and people and parents of students that are on college campuses really push forward what you are trying to put into place with Stratory and FEMA and other companies? Well, uh, n number one is to, is to learn as much as you can about uh, uh, disasters and crisis. Uh, second, uh, is learn about um, uh, you know the communication aspects of this because maybe you can become part of the of the system there at your university uh, to help communicate uh, and part of the communication isn't just you know the crisis communication it's communication beforehand to prepare people so if if, uh, if you help prepare your fellow students to be ready for an active shooter to be ready if uh, flooding happens to be ready if there's an earthquake uh, lives are going to be saved, and I think that's a really cool thing. So, so I would really recommend uh, that you look into uh, everything from ready.gov, which is a website, has a lot of stuff on it. You can uh, look into uh, Weather Nation, which is something that uh, NOAA and the National Weather Service put out. 
there's a lot of other emergency management type uh, uh, you know protocols that are out there. Uh, I know the FBI has active shooter training, DHS. If you go on dhs.gov, uh, they have training uh, and information about uh, what to do during active shooter. Uh, the other thing now is, is cybersecurity. Most people don't think that's a big deal, but it actually is. Um, uh, the more you know about uh, protecting yourself online, the better you're going to be. Um, uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of students are finding that their information is being stolen, their identities are stolen, uh, or people can hack into your cameras and turn on your, uh, turn on your phone camera when you don't even know it. Uh, could be very compromising. So, so there's a lot of things that you can do. Uh, and there's a lot of great opportunities out there. And, and I just say, uh, you know, take the opportunities that you can. It really depends. I mean, not everyone's going to be able to do this. You know, a lot of people are very busy. But for those like yourself who are interested, uh, there's great opportunities out there. And I, and I highly encourage you to be part of it. Thank you so much. I just want to say on behalf of students like me and parents, we're putting our safety first and finding ways to really keep our country together in terms of that. So thank you so much. And I really appreciate you talking with me today. Absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, again, if there's anything I can do in the future, I'm going to continue working with Zero Now, and I'm looking forward to helping put things up on the Zero Now website. Uh, and so people should be looking at that website as it starts to grow and more and more resources are put up there. So thank you very much for this opportunity and thank you for interviewing me. Thank you.